0: Genesis House and the Friends in Recovery podcast are proud to bring you Answering the Call, the First Responder podcast. Join your hosts, Mike the Podfather and Jersey Ed as they address the real issues in health and wellness for first responders. From physical and mental health to relationships and work-life balance, we leave no stone unturned. Answering the Call, the First Responder podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube, as well as iHeartRadio. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery, answering the call.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Answering the Call, First Responders Podcast. I am the podfather, Mike Miles, and I'm here with my good friend jersey ed guys jersey, jersey ed. you
2: got going. it this time hey. i got it i got it i we have some smart, of those guys? horns
1: can we have some of those horns yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love those horns our producer guys, extra, our producer extraordinaire he's really added a lot to these uh to these shows yeah you know i was listening up in maine on my vacation i was listening to some of our podcasts, and uh, i just chose random ones but uh yeah you know they're really good they're really good and a lot of it has yeah. to do with the editing and uh the, the substance too but the editing really uh, adds a lot to it that's for sure it does it does yeah we we, we got a good studio here
2: and again like we said uh, last week on the show um this is a new season and this is almost a year of uh answering the call guys and um i'm very proud of this show it's been doing very well um and uh you know good topics good subjects uh you know, Podfather, just with you coming out with all your stories, and it, this is going to be um, uh, this show is going to be about the stories from the field, the Podfather stories from the field, and uh, th- that I get all good emails about this show. Everybody loves this show because um, this kind of identi- th- this show identifies you with your brothers and sisters out there, and they understand, like you know, just like in recovery, you know, sometimes you don't think that. You know you're you have this problem or or this is going on in your life right. just like that you guys you know you guys are, are together in this you know you're all together you're all uh you're all you're all as one and stuff that happens to you you can pass that along to future generations through this podcast
1: sure you know it's yeah. funny i i read an article in the uh, new york post uh, about this woman um who um donated her kidney to a uh, a cop um a uh, cop. I think he was out of uh, the state of New York or maybe Jersey. I'm not sure, but it was in that area. And um, he had arrested her in the past. Um, She was a drug addict um, and he had arrested her several times. And uh, coincidentally, she's gets sober and she's on, um, she's on Facebook and she sees this, um, the the story about a, a cop that needed a kidney. And so she's eight years sober and she, contacts the cop it's the cop as a younger girl she had been arrested by and um anyway she donates her kidney to him and Mm -hmm. uh, the article had a picture of both of them and and he's doing well and she's doing well and she actually has a program where she helps women that have been on the street you know having problems so it brought back some memories to me of um there was this young girl back in the day and um her name was malo and malo was a beautiful 19 year old um girl and she was being arrested for prostitution and uh at the time my my oldest daughter was probably a little older than marlo maybe i'd say maybe a year or two and uh, it just broke my heart i was driving the police wagon at the time i was going to school and i was driving the police wagon uh, which some people would call the paddy wagon but we don't do that anymore because we live in a society now where we don't talk about people's ethnic backgrounds or anything. (laughs) So the police wagon was a job that from 4 to 12, 4 p.m. to 12 a.m., was very busy. I'd pick up 10, 15 people a night. And then I had to process them, too, you know? Take them in, process them, book them, fingerprint the whole bit, put them in a cell, inventory their belongings. So I was always busy, busy. But this one girl, I just always... I picked her up a couple times and, and I knew she was a drug addict. And I said to her one of the nights and I, I had been sober several years at the time. And I said, are you, you know, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Do you want some help? She's like, what are you talking about? You <laughs> didn't get it, you know? And so, um, the next day she went to court. I happened to be in court and I saw her going into the courtroom. And I, again, I asked her if she wanted to get some help. And she said she did. Well, by the time her case was called, it got called early. She had already been shipped off to Framingham, the woman's prison. So her parents yeah. were waiting in the <laughs> lobby. I introduced myself to them, and I told them, you know, that I was a policeman, and, you know, I knew their daughter, and I wanted to get us some help. They had told me she just graduated from high school the year before. She was the valedictor. Oh, wow. She hooked up with some kid that was doing heroin from Lowell yeah. and off to the races. So the judge at the time, Judge Neil Walker, a great guy, he, uh, he brought her back from the prison the next day and she ended up getting to a sober house. She went to treatment, she went to a detox, and then she got sober. I hadn't seen her in a couple of years. I was directing traffic one day at a very busy intersection. Beautiful girl in a Volvo with a baby seat, pulls up, dark glasses, dark hair. She's waving to me and I'm like, oh, this poor girl thinks I'm somebody else, you know? So I waved to her. <laughs> she pulls up. She said, you don't recognize me. I said, no, no, I'm Mike Miles. I, I was, ready to tell her. I She's probably looking for someone else. She goes, I know who you are. This is me, Marlo. Wow. Well, it was a moment. I mean, you know, I look at the baby seat. I look at her. She's so healthy. She's got a baby. Wow. She's healthy, beautiful. So she pulled over and we were both crying. I mean, you know, I had emotion. I got emotional because I was oh. so happy. And, you know, I don't know where she is today. I don't know where, whether she ever went back or she went forward. I know I went forward. I was fortunate. I hope she did. But my point is, after reading that article about the uh, girl that gave her kidney to the um, to the police officer who was dying, basically she gave him a second shot at life, you know, and I thought, this is the type of job we do where you can go from being a, a, a cop, taking away someone's freedom by arresting them, you know, and... You, they have so much respect for you because of the way you treated them that seven years later they're giving you the kidney Come on, think of that giving your kids it's crazy cool. what the hell yeah. do you give your kidney to you know i know but, i know i'd have a hard time giving kidney my kidney to a family member <laughs>
2: <that's right. laughs> let alone to some stranger. <laughs> <of> my stranger <laughs> yeah. good Lord, that arrested me
1: <laughs> but um you know but it brought back some really good memories and and, and um i often i often think about i i'm hoping she did well she'd be in a mid 40s now maybe 46 47 but I, I hope I, I'm hoping she did well you know but um, it was a good memory <coughs> come on <coughs> come on Bob, father she <laughs> excuse me she's watching this show right now she probably is
2: <laughs> <coughs> excuse me she's watching the show right now Bob. father she, she, she probably um, is that brings up you know that that story brings up a, 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 a question that I have for you as a civilian um, you as a police officer and the police officers are watching um, uh, and any law enforcement that's watching is like when you go arrest a prostitute or something, you know, they're not doing that because that's what they're, they, they want. That's what they want their life skills to be. And that's what they, you know, um, that's, that's kind of what they inspired to be as a prostitute for the rest of their lives. You know, deep down inside, there's a reason why they're doing it. You know what I mean? They're, they're caught. They're, they're, they're by trying to buy drugs, you know, trying to live a lifestyle that they, that they can't did you ever think of like, like, should I arrest this woman? Shouldn't I arrest her? Um, you know, or anybody, you know, or even giving right. a ticket out to somebody, you know, what, 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 like what goes on as a, cause you're a human being too. I mean, I right. know you personally and you're a human being and, and like, what do you, like, where do you draw that line or or how do you determine, okay, this prostitute, I know she, you know, let's offer her help or whatever. I mean, how do you draw that line? You know, as far right. as that goes.
1: Well, that girl Marlo, I I didn't make the arrest. I was just transporting. Um, but no, I, I never arrested a girl for prostitution. Um, I knew a lot of them. I saw them. And uh, I helped I helped a few get into treatment. I got letters from um, from girls that were doing time um, that ended up getting help. Um, Carmen Harding was a girl I can think of. She was a wonderful girl, um, Afro-American, funny, a beautiful young lady. Um, she, she ended up getting arrested so many times for prostitution and for other things that she had a you know, do 18 months in jail. And she ended up writing to me and and telling me she wanted to get sober. And because I always, when I got sober, I'd always offer anybody that had a problem. And 90% of the people I picked up, that booze and drugs was the reason they were riding in the back of the wagon. But as me, as a cop, as a street cop, when I worked the streets Mm -hmm. for 28 years, um, no, I knew why girls were out there. And guys, I I had male prostitutes Mm too. Uh, They were making Mm -hmm. money for their addiction. But I can tell you, I come from an era when nineteen eighty. 81 82 when girls used to come up from rhode island to lowell and they were making money they were making good money they they weren't drug addicts they were prostitutes they were there to make money and they had a hotel room and they'd walk they'd bring their goods down to these streets outside of bars and then back to the room and they'd probably make a couple hundred Mm -hmm. bucks a night not that that was great money but back when i was a cop in 1980 my base pay was 200 (laughs) bucks a week they were making three four hundred bucks oh my god wow so uh, wow. there was an ever when the girls really actually made money. Uh, when we had Kristen, okay. when we had Kristen on um, talking about exotic dancing and stripping and stuff, and yeah. you know, yeah. a lot of the strip clubs, a lot of the girls that worked there um, became, you know, they were dancers, but then they they got into drugs and eventually prostitution. But no, I, I never I never looked at that as a crime where I was going to arrest somebody. I never had anyone come to me and say that prostitute ripped me off or tried to stab me or did something illegal other than offering sex for money. No, that wasn't my thing. I I didn't. There there was enough vice squad people that did all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it it
2: has to be like um, uh, that. You, you know, you're you're a human being too. and you you know i mean obviously if they're going to kick and scream and scream will threaten you or whatever you ha- you have to take them in right, but right. um but you know the average even even a pl- um, a plane ticket a um a, a traffic stop or something along those lines it, it's it's you know for, i'm i'm a very caring person i'm very okay well you know i don't i don't think i would be be able to be a cop because they'd be like well how come you wrote no tickets this month <laughs> well if, because i'm a nice guy you know right, you'd want right. to get pulled
1: over by me you know right. I mean? well, so, well, same here but, i mean they there used to be a detail where they they want you to do four hours from 6 to 10 6 a.m. to 10 so I made uh, to 10 a.m. and what the, what you did was the first hour from 6 to 7 you directed traffic right off the highway to the Raytheon plant because it was backed up and then for the next three hours you're supposed to go to certain spots They'd give you a location you set up you have a car with radar or a laser in it and you can mm-hmm. you know park away and kind of hide and wait for the cars to come over a bridge and catch them at the highest speed and it was a school zone, so twenty-five miles an hour in a school oh, yeah, zone. Yeah. So, yeah. but I can tell you that this job was supposed to generate money, and <laughs> they wouldn't let me do it. After a while, they said, "You're not writing any tickets. You're giving all warnings." You know, people are calling saying, "What a nice guy you are," but you know, you you got to make some money here. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I, funny. I was <laughs> I was cleaning out an old uh, police bag that I had, <laughs> and I found a letter from the um, probably two thousand seven, I believe from a woman who uh, was looking for directions an elderly woman was trying to find the train station. And um, I was in an unmarked cruise and she pulled up to me and she saw me coming out of the, the store that I was coming out of the restaurant. And she saw my uniform and she said, I'm looking for the train station. I said, well, follow me. And I took her and I escorted her to there basically. And I found her a parking spot and she, was nice enough to write a letter to the chief saying what a great you know <laughs> what a great guy I was and uh you know, but I kept that letter because I remember that specific time but I'm sure there were plenty of people out there that would write letters saying that I was an asshole to them because they got mm-hmm. arrested but no I, I was always I always looked at people when I especially when I stopped them from motor vehicle violations you know what um their, their financial situation you know, am I going to tow this car? It's going to cost them a bundle. Hey, I, I got in an argument with a guy one time. It was a snow emergency tow, uh, snow band towing cars because it's going, we're going to get a major snowstorm. And um, I'm riding up and down the street with my PA system on, telling people to move their cars, putting the siren on. So they'd know because I didn't want to see people come out find their car gone it's going to cost them 100 bucks to get it back you know so now i always went i always went the extra mile that way um i, I had a lot of empathy for people i think you know yeah 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 and and that's yeah that's how i would i would be
2: too It would. it's uh it's just um you know i i don't know it it, it takes a special person to do what you guys do and realize like what what's what and, and all that but real quick podfather um we're going to take a quick break here we're gonna have more police stories from the field with with the podfather and
1: uh there you go Answer with the call, the First Responders Podcast.
3: Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. At Genesis House, they focus on treating the underlying causes of addiction. Their comprehensive approach includes psychiatric care, individual and small group therapy, trauma healing techniques, and holistic care, including yoga, massage, and animal-assisted therapy. After treatment, their clients enjoy the lifelong support of a nationwide network of Genesis House alumni. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery.
1: Hey, everybody! Welcome back. Answering the call, the first responders podcast. I am the podfather, Mike Miles, here with Jersey Ed and a producer extraordinaire, Sweets.
2: Sweets, what's up, everybody? Podfather, we are we are on? back here. Not much. We're back here with stories from the field. Um, this is a uh, like I said at the beginning of the show. This is a uh, a well watched a well uh well liked uh listen to show um people like to hear these stories and i love hearing your stories i just like to let you go and listen to these stories and imagine myself being back. you know a young kid doing what you're doing all <laughs> those years ago and and i'm sure all these young kids listening now is uh you know it, it gets a thrill to know that that you know that this is being tradition is being carried on and you know the the, the police work is what it is it's a great great in my in my i think police are are wonderful human beings there are some bad ones out there no doubt about it but um you know god bless the police god bless every first responder out there
1: well Um, you know eddie i I was searching my mind driving here today about you know some of the stories and there's one story that sticks out of my mind i'll tell you about it um i was walking a beat when i first became a cop i had been a prison guard mm -hmm. prior to that so um i had been on the job maybe three months and i was walking a beat downtown outside a nightclub and these three guys went by me. I really wasn't paying attention. And one of them said, "Hey, Miles, uh, w- uh, weren't you a cor- uh, aren't you a correctional officer?" And I, I said, "No, no, I'm, I'm a cop now. I used to be a correctional officer." So one of them said, "Oh, you're a pig and Lowell. And I don't know why oh, that that pissed me off, but it did. So I said to him, "No, your mother's a pig and Lowell. And you know, and I just went about my business, you know. And the next thing you know, I'm I'm in in a fight. These three guys jumped me. And if you can oh. see my left shoulder. It's got a big scar I had a major surgery there the arm actually the oh shoulder God. the shoulder um, the shoulder itself got got split open the arm came out um, anyway three two brothers there was three of them all together and um, two brothers and another guy and um, I won't say their names but you know, it always stuck with me. I'd never had surgery. I had my tonsils out. That was it. And, and I got this major scar. I'm I'm 25 years old. And, you know, I thought I was kind of an attractive guy. I didn't want to have this big scar on my arm and everything. But it, it, it just bothered me because, uh, it, you know, I just, the whole idea of being jumped in uniform, you know, it wasn't good. So um, years later, I get sober. And, and one of my things was going to detox and speaking to people in detox, you know. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm in, in a detox one night and the patients come out there's about seven of them and they all got the foam slippers on and the you know the <laughs> the, the, the detox attire detox, and, um, detox gear <laughs> and there's one guy sitting in front of me and i'm like this kid looks familiar you know and sure as hell he's one of the kids that jumped me you know so um I didn't have any animosity towards him. This is how this program works. or Maybe God works. My God, my understanding. My God of my understanding. But um, I just did my thing. I told him how I got sober, why I was sober. And I didn't get into the cop thing. But he recognized me. And he, he wouldn't look up the whole time. And at the end, uh, when we were leaving, he, he shuffled over to me. And he said, hey, I just want to tell you, you know, I was fucked up that night. And, you know, I I don't even know why we did what we did. And I, you know, I said, hey, you know what? let's not worry about it um you know we all move on and you know uh, just the fact that you know i'm here now that, that there's a reason for this but good luck with you and i i know for a fact that his life got better um i don't see him we didn't go out and have a kumbaya moment or anything mm-hmm. but uh, i've also mm-hmm. run into people in markets i'm an old man now i'm 66 years old at one time 66 years, 66 <laughs> years young pod father 66 years young at one time, you know, I can handle myself pretty good. I'm not that I was a punk looking for fights, but you know, sometimes you can't help it. You go on a call, you can be in the best moods, and you know, there's a fight. You got to break it up. Yeah. There's some someone attacks you. You got to defend yourself. Yeah. And um, there was this. I was washing. I had a brand new RX-7, and I'd gotten out of work at 11:30, and I went to this car wash to rinse it off because it had dust on it or something. <laughs> and um, there's t- two guys and a girl are walking by, and I'm in uniform, but you know, half uniform. Anyway, I had my pants and boots on, and um, one of the guys recognized me, and he comes into the car stall where I'm with the magic wand there, rinsing off the car, and he wants to fight, you know, so uh, what are you going to do? My car's covered in suds. I can't just take off, you know? So um, (laughs) I sprayed him with the gun. I punched him in the forehead. I wrestled with him. Um, The other kid was on my back. The girl's kicking me. So I finally escaped from this, this, this group, and there's a Back then, no cell phones. Back in the eighties, and I go over and this is this is pre sobriety too. I wasn't sober then, but um, okay. I I call the station from <laughs> a payphone. That I got to back up and I arrest this guy, who was a big kid. He was a gun dealer and everything. He was a tough kid. So that was then. I hadn't seen him in years. I'm in the market this year, March, right right before the mm. pandemic, and. Uh, I'm walking down an aisle and this guy looking at me, he a big smile on his face. He's still a huge man too. <laughs> and he says, Mike, it's Mike miles. I go, yeah, Jerry. He goes, yeah. Oh my You're doing, you know? And, and for a <laughs> split second, I'm thinking this kid's going to throw me over the shelter, you know? <laughs> and um, we start talking. He says, you know, I, I saw your retirement in the paper. You, you, he goes, I remember that night, you know, I was drunk, whatever. And, uh, you know, you were, you were a pretty good guy. You never really busted up balls. I don't even know why I did that to you. He I just didn't like cops. But, you know, and I, I used to tell the cops when I'd speak to them at, their, at the uh, academy before they graduated from the academy, I was one of the final instructors they had. I'd talk about police stress and things like that and methods to get help. But I would always tell them, you know, you never know who's going to be feeding you in the nursing home. Was my mm-hmm. my little story. Be be yeah. kind to people because you never know. And yeah. I'm just gonna. I got one more story. Today. I just want to yeah. get out there about nursing homes. My mother had Alzheimer's. She was in mm-hmm. a nursing home for four years, and um, it was a very sad situation. I'd go there about five times a week, and uh, I never left there with a with a dry eye because she was mm-hmm. a very vibrant, smart, funny, beautiful woman, and she was still very very pretty and, and sweet but she was in a wheelchair she couldn't walk and she couldn't communicate she had no idea who i was mm. and she was just a gentle soul and i walked into the uh, the dining hall when i went to visit her one day and there's this woman feeding her and the woman feeding her has a son who was very very violent um uh, sold guns he was a robber he broke the safes he was just a bad bad kid and he had had a fight with his brother one night, and I got the call. And when I got there, I was by myself. The backup was coming, but um, you know this kid was very violent, very angry, and I had to use my communication skills to get out of there without getting thrown through a window. Because you got to know your limitations. And believe me, <clears throat> these two brothers would have eaten my lunch all day long. I mean, <laughs> unless, unless I shot him. And back then, you know, you just you just couldn't pull out the gun and start blasting away. You know, yeah, if yeah. they had a weapon, absolutely, I'd do it. But but anyway, that's. Th- those two boys this is their mother feeding my mother and i thought to myself wow. as i was walking to the table boy i'm so glad i didn't arrest these mm. we'll, we'll call them the uh, rivera brothers you know <laughs> and the the mother looked at me and she said is this your mother and i said yes yeah. she goes oh she's so sweet and the attendant who was feeding my mother is the mother of these two kids who mm. she respected the way i handled that situation and even when they helped got mm. there You know what we didn't arrest him we didn't club him and drag him out of the house you know which happened frequently back in the day but you know Mm -hmm. you just never know who you're dealing with sometimes because you gotta you gotta live your life you gotta go to the market you gotta go Mm -hmm. to the wherever you go to the movies Mm -hmm. out to eat you know you gotta be careful and you know hey sometimes you can't help it like when i got jumped that night i i had a fight i I had no choice yeah Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, you know, and you're right, Godfather, Father, and, and everybody out there, you know, you guys put on this persona, you're a cop, you're you have to take care of people, I have to be brave, I have to jump into every situation, I have to do this, I have to do that. But you know, you're human beings too, like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, we, you you have to push that aside and and be a, a human being too. And and I guess you gotta know your boundaries, your you know what's what's good and what's bad, how how far to escalate, how far not to um you know and because it might like you said i mean uh, all these stories today were people that you came up upon years later or or, you know decades later and uh you know it 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 definitely shows that listen we need more cops like you out there we need more people who are vigilant people who are who are understanding people who are or or just kind of um you know just just that all-around kind of good guy that wants to keep society safe you know and there's nothing wrong with that you know and and podfather i i admire you as a police officer i get to hear some really good stories when him and i are in private and uh and that's where this this whole thing came from is you know is uh is years and years of stories to listening to podfather i i have years of podfather stories under my <laughs> belt you know at least 10 years since we met and uh because i was always fascinated by being a police officer and you know i i uh, you guys know my story about being a cop and uh and how quickly it fizzled when uh, i was trying to be. A, uh, a firefighter, <laughs> right. and, uh, you remember that story? I told <laughs> oh, yeah, you guys. yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but you know, here's a good example of that. Those guys said, "Don't get back in your car." You know, when when I was at the fire department and they were police officers, and they said, "Don't get back in your car." They could have arrested me for for drunken driving, but sure. they said, "Call somebody." So I had to call my mom, and and you know, my mom had to drive me home at 18 years old, drunk. You know.
1: Well, I so, can say this: it was
2: I wasn't like the. What.
1: Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to compare myself to the guys and girls I work with. And, you know, I was the norm, but they were the norm, too. They, they, I I learned from other cops. I learned what's important and what's not important, you know. Mm-hmm. An old cop had told me my first month on the job, he pulled me aside, and he, his name was Paul Spillane. His brother was a medical doctor. And Paul Spillane probably never left the city of Lowell, you know. And uh, he said to me, I said, any advice? And he said, yeah, I'll tell you what, young fella be nice to the elderly and be nice to the children because Mm. they're the ones that need us, you Mm. know, and that always stuck in my mind. And I remember when um, Paul Spillane retired about two years into his retirement, I saw him walking down um, uh, one of the main streets in Lowell. And I went over and said, Hey Paul, it's Mike Miles. And he, I could see just by the look that he had some memory loss and he wasn't sure who I was. And I thought, Mm. wow, this guy worked his whole career his whole life he's 67 68 Mm. and he's got Alzheimer's you know memory loss you know but um things like that you know they just stuck with me I think I think the way you're brought up has a lot to do with it too you know and if you have caring parents I had an older brother that was what they called mentally retarded he was born in 1944 and Uh you know we grew up with him and and, you know there was a lot of sadness with that for my mother and for my family you know kids made fun of him or whatever and um but we didn't And, and we learned to love him and and you know, yeah. live with it, and you know, I lost a son. My second child died. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, small infant baby. That made me a better man, a better father, a better cop. I'd go to mm-hmm. calls where babies weren't breathing. I'd I'd bust my ass to get there, mm-hmm. and, and you yeah. know, and I actually yeah. did save a, a couple of children. So I'm very yeah. fortunate, you know. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, and also, guys, everybody's listening out there.
2: Um, you know, Podfather doesn't, didn't, didn't grow up in a town and didn't, uh, didn't work in a town that was hometown USA and you know, uh, Barney Fife and Andy Griffin type town. He grew up in a tough, tough city, man. Low was look, back in the '80s and '90s. Lowell was not a. Um, was not a reputable city at at one point and you no, that's well, your heart that was your heart of your career then and uh you you had to endure a lot of stuff and you had to you know kind of help a lot of people out and uh you know it's a different city now it's it's very thriving community of course there are some bad parts of it but you know it's in any any city but lowell is is a different city
1: today than it was when you were sure when you were a cop well we had some good leaders back there we had a chief uh Leonard, Leonard McPhail. Uh, he was probably the end of, the, of an era, the the World War II era. Then we had Jack Sheehan, who I didn't really get along with, but I really respected him, and he mm-hmm. was a great, great leader. And then um, after that, we had a couple more, but um, Ken Lavalle was, was a chief that I really admired, and he gave me an opportunity to be the EAP. And I watched him as a cop. We came on at the same time, and, you know, he was such a good cop, such a good man, And but he always had humor. And, you know, mm-hmm. I always try to use humor, and all the good cops I work with, Billy Callahan, uh, Steve O'Neill, I can just name them all, um, you know, they were great, uh, <laughs> Dave Ferry. All we did was laugh, and we treated people with respect, but we found mm-hmm. humor in a lot of stuff, because that's how we processed. you know? Yeah. That's how we process yeah, things. But, you yeah. know, so... Stories, well, <laughs> Stories from the field. I love these. I love these shows,
2: man. Stories from the field, Podfather. You know he has millions of them. We 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 have endless shows of this. More to so, come, More Podfather. To come. <laughs> yeah, Podfather. Thank you very much. And uh, um, you know, again, great season. I'm looking forward to this season and 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 working with you again. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, same here. We miss you, and uh, we'll see you soon. And um, yep. everybody, answering the call. First Responders Podcast. Stay safe, everybody. Great show.
0: That concludes this episode of Answering the Call, the First Responder Podcast. Thanks to Genesis House for sponsoring the show and supporting first responders who are struggling with addiction and mental health. Follow us on Facebook for past shows and updates. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, email us at help at friendsandrecoverypodcast.com.